This is Life of an Architect, a podcast dedicated to all things architecture with a little bit of life thrown in for balance. It was August 10th, 2010, when I first conceived of the low-cost modern house challenge with the intent to go through a design process that would help us understand how to design a modern house that people could afford and would actually want to live in. And what I learned was that this is almost impossible to achieve. Fast forward 12 years, and I'm going to give it another go with some slightly modified parameters. Welcome to episode 110, Modern House Challenge, take two. Welcome to the Life of an Architect podcast. I'm Bob Borson. And I'm Andrew Hawkins. And today we're going to talk about something that I'm doing up at my office that is kind of a side hustle, meaning it's not real work, but still has some value. Before we unbox all that, I need to address the interest that the original Modern House Challenge generated. So that's the one I kind of mentioned at the beginning. And it probably generated the interest it did because I called it low-cost Modern House Challenges. Emphasis on the low-cost part. So, in other words, the response was bananas. (laughs) Yeah. I got emails. I got phone calls. And this went on for years. Years. And sadly, most of these emails and phone calls that I got, I didn't want them. I mean, they weren't, they weren't viable projects. Oh, okay. So you're saying you got people wanting you to do work is what they were calling about. Yeah. Reaching out to do stuff or to help me with my yes. low-cost modern house or what are the, my possibilities. Exactly. Oh, these gotcha. were people that wanted the golden unicorn because they wanted something like they saw in the various shelter magazines. But A, couldn't find it in the market, and B, wanted to spend $100 a square foot to get it, which, honestly, they thought was reasonable. Yeah. So I found myself explaining why modern design projects cost so much and why what looked to them like a reduced scope of construction was actually an extremely high level of execution. Yeah. And it costs more. Yeah, and that's really what it boils down to in a way, right? is that it's non-typical and it's not something somebody can throw together, which is what most, I don't know what you want to call it, mass-produced residential work is. It's like, how fast can we put it together, not how much craftsmanship can we put into it, which is what yeah. the modern part takes. Well, you know, I wonder, so we've had a lot of peripheral conversations about, do I really need my brick to course out around my window for it to be modern? <laughs> Or is it just if I stick a window in this, how far do you go to say this is what's modern or this is what defines? Well, if it's based on what they see, they're like, oh, I want glass up to the ceiling. And you're like, that's really not an easy detail to execute. Yeah, There's trigger work into having a window that needs a header structurally. I mean, it's carrying weight. That the header is invisible. Yeah. And yet my overhang is in the same plane as my ceiling. I mean. Yeah. They don't know that that's actually an expensive thing to pull off, that it's not just slap it out. Mm-hmm. Like there's a reason why there's ceiling and wall before you get to window, right? Yeah. And not and it, window and it, up to ceiling. Yeah. And it looks actually, it looks simpler. It looks like there's less stuff there. Yeah. There's no wall. There's just window and then the ceiling. Yeah. It should be better. I don't have to build that little piece of wall up there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's less. Yeah. It's easy. Yeah. It's less. It's less. Yeah. So there were a lot of conversations that I had to have about that. So in that first post, I also started off by saying, look, this is what it's not going to be. And I had the best of intention when I did it. I said, it's not going to be made out of pallets. We're not using shipping containers. Yeah. What I really wanted, and I still want this, 
I wanted a house that had a viable place in the market. Mm -hmm. I'm not looking for a tiny house. I'm not looking for affordable housing house because that's part of it too. We actually had an email that got sent out. I won't get into this part of it. I'll explain how it's set up a little bit, but I had somebody in my office send out a, ooh, I'm happy to bring in the Habitat for Humanity people in and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh yeah, hold on a minute. That's not what this is. This is not a low income house. Yeah. What we're trying to do is we're trying to do a low cost house, but literally the people that are working on it, they don't know what anything costs either. <laughs> yeah. So when I say low cost in my own office when describing this project, I'm just trying to suggest don't do stainless steel portals into your yeah. house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and I was giving one of the guys, and I think he's great. He'll actually think it's cool that I mentioned him, even though I'm not going to say your name. He designed an office that was round, floating in a koi pond. <laughs> and I was like, what about this says low cost? I go, this is like a Bond villain house. This is what you're doing here. Yeah, yeah. I go, come on, man. <laughs> this is exactly what we're trying to avoid. Yeah. So let me get into the parameters, why we're doing it, who's involved with it, and like what problems are we trying to solve and all that kind of good stuff. So in my office, we have these things called more groups, and it's M-O-R, and it stands for Matrix of Responsibility, but I'm not sure how that name came about. I'm not even sure how it's applicable. That's just what they call it. And I'm wondering if the first person who came up with it was more, design more. Yeah. Because that's what it's called. It's the design more group. <laughs> but now there's all sorts of ones. There's a community service more and a sustainability more and a PD more and an operations more and a rug. I mean, yeah, but this is actually pretty cool about it. This one makes them cool. They're voluntary. Like you don't have to do them. Mm -hmm. You get time during office hours to like go to the, the meeting for this group. Oh yeah. Okay. And part of the reason they exist is for people who have particular interests that they feel aren't manifested in the natural course of their day. So the Design More group is full of people that don't necessarily design as part of their job. Yeah. Some way to get a little bit of professional growth or interest in your everyday work that you might not get. Yeah. There's that. Or if you have a, a hot sports opinion. So like in mm. our operations more, if you're like, you know what, we need to be considering this software platform. Gotcha. That's the place to bring it up. And that's the place to do the research and talk about it and vet the idea through rather than just kind of carpet bomb everybody in the office and hope that it lands in the right inbox somewhere. Yeah, gotcha. So in the design more, which in theory I run, but I don't like top down stuff. I like left to right stuff. So I have other people that take ownership of pieces of what we do and they become the champion of those things. Like we do all sorts of things like the seven minutes in heaven. I've talked about that before. Mm -hmm. And it's where you get to talk about whatever you want, but the goal is to get you to practice putting together a presentation standing up in front of a room of people, making a point, learning how to give eye contact and not go on ah, um every time you're thinking about, is it time to push the slide? You know, all that kind of good stuff. Sure. So the Design More group meets every two weeks. And this is all throughout the year. And we typically take on maybe one, maybe two, but mostly just one actual design competition a year. And they're pretty cool and they're fun. Like a real one or no? Like a real one. Yeah. Okay. All right. And none of them are monstrously big, but, you know, we've done some and we kind of win prizes and it kind of gets kicked back into the kitty for the group, you know, mm -hmm. when we play something. Sure. And they're fun and they give people a chance to take leadership on things that maybe they don't normally get to do. So we normally time that competition 
where it overlaps with part of the summer because we'll like to get our summer interns mm. involved okay. sometimes sure. into those kind of experiences. Gotcha. Yeah. But summer just ended. You're going, all right, Bob, so why are you doing this competition? Well, it's not really a competition. Like we're calling it a challenge because I don't want to put this project up against that project internally because it's not really about, even though I'm saying it's a modern house challenge, the goal is not to see who can design the better modern house. It's really an exercise to go through the design process, have people understand how does this work? How does a workflow get created? What makes sense? So when I start down with a blank piece of paper, how do I go about critically thinking through a solution that allows me to go through programming, schematic design, design development, has all the opportunities in there for me to do a design, stand up in front of a room, do a pinup process, do 3D printing, all the stuff that we tend to do in school that kind of falls to the wayside a little bit in a professional environment when there's such an emphasis placed on being fast and cranking out stuff, right? <laughs> Deadlines and efficiency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a big part about it. So I said, hey, why don't we do this? Because I don't want to choose like a project that we might typically do in my office because they're huge. Like mm -hmm. there's so much information that people have to learn. And most people can generally step up to the bar and bludgeon their way through a residential project. Mm -hmm. It may not be very good, but they kind of understand conceptually what's at work here. Sure. So we started to put this together, and I'm going to admit that I do not have it all figured out. So I'm kind of making it up as I go, which is fun. You know, as part of the exercise, we spend part of the time that we meet going through the different parts that make up a residential project and how they can impact your design, but not only how it looks, but cost ramifications. And pricing being as crazy as it is right now. Yeah. Those conversations are focused how, on how one thing scales relative to another. So I don't really care that they know or don't know what a peer and beam foundation costs. I just want them to know where it falls relative to like a slab on grade. Slab on grade or, yeah, exactly. And like, why would you choose one over another? Like, when would it mm -hmm. make sense? Why would you want to take your bucket of money and pull out a premium to get one product over another? So we just have a chat about it. Mm -hmm. We're not going to be doing construction drawings. So it's not like they're going to live and die by the fact that they chose one foundation type over another. Sure. We're just going to have a conversation about it. And I want them to understand that there is a financial premium that could go into some of the decisions that they make. Yeah. Like our stainless steel openings everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Even if you go, it's cast. It's cast yeah. stainless steel. <laughs> yeah. So the other thing that we have... And I could go more into schedule, but this is all in my spare time as well. You know, and I come on here and kvetch all the time about like how I don't have any spare time. No. Yeah, I know. I think that you'll back me up. I really don't have a lot of spare time. No. I know. So when we have foundation chat, next thing you know, I'm trying to sketch up foundation details. Mm. So I can put up on the screen and go, hey guys, what do you think about this? So like when we talked about foundations. I would say, look, here's what a pier and beam looks like, and this is how they work. Here's how a slab on grade. Here's a, here's a structural slab over a void carton. So we'll talk about the different types mm -hmm. at a very, very high level. Yeah. And what cracks me up is, you know, I kind of, on my social media feeds, I'll share stuff that I'm doing just because I don't want to create special content for my social media feed. That's not who I am. I'm like, this yeah. is actually what I'm doing. So that's what you get. Uh-huh. And people go bananas. But you subject yourself to... Oh. You know, 
you're like, I sketched this in two minutes, and it's like, where's the vapor barrier? What's going on with this like, bearing I'm not, angle? I'm not seeing blah, your, blah, 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 your blah. caulking bed yeah, properly you're like, articulated. You're like, oh. The thing that really cracks me up about this, I really try to take it in the spirit that people are trying to be helpful, mm. even though it gets really tough. It's Sometimes, really tough yeah. after a while. Yeah. And I go, I'm just freehanding this. And I'm normally like doing something else when I'm doing it. So it's not like this isn't going in a book. We're not going to be building from it. It's supposed to be conversational. Yeah, you're like, yeah, I was talking to a room full of people while I was drawing this. Yeah. And we were I'm having conversations about these little things. Yeah. So one of the things that was funny is that in one of my anchor bolts that I put in my slab, people went nuts because I- It didn't have enough coverage. I didn't show enough coverage. Right? Yeah. I'm like, I didn't get the scale right. I'm sorry. And I wasn't going to delete everything and start over for that. Yeah. So lots of people are like, oh man, I don't know about that anchor bolt concrete coverage. And they're going nuts. Meanwhile, I left the sheathing off in that detail. <laughs> There's no sheathing on my house, but nobody yeah. caught that. Nobody's yeah. going bananas over that. The fact that there's no exterior sheathing, you're like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. So every two weeks, we have like a meeting or a pinup or whatever it is. But then the every other two weeks, we can talk about whatever we want, but we might have a chat about these sorts of details. So in addition to job and podcasts, I'm like sketching up all these details so I can put up on the screen and go, hey, y'all, let's talk about wall sections or let's talk about sure. roof overhangs. And there's three things that control this. You have ownership of two of them. You got to pick which two you want. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? What does it look like? And I have 20 minutes to go through this. How long are these meetings normally? They're an hour long. Oh, an hour. Okay. They're not that long. So there's a yeah. lot of, hey, everybody, just come grab me at my desk or something. You see me eating a sandwich, working at my desk, come bother me then. I'll answer whatever questions you might have. We'll work through it because that's just what I do. So the other parameter that I should kind of put out there, because this is something else I got, because people are like, oh, cold weather. You didn't do that right for cold weather. I'm like... <laughs> I was like, come yeah. on, man. <laughs> so look, this project's going to be in Dallas is what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. And I chose a generic infill lot. So I have neighbors on all sides. Yeah. I have an alley. I have front yard. Mm -hmm. I have houses left, right on the other side of the alley across the street. And we're choosing in Dallas, it's called an R75 lot, which means it's 7,500 square feet of dirt. And a very typical dimension for a lot like that is 60 by 120 or 125, okay? Mm -hmm. And along with that zoning, it says, hey, your side yard setbacks are five. Five feet. Your rear property is this. If it's detached, it's that. Yeah. Front yard's going to be 25 foot. 25 feet, sure. And we're not worried about, oh, what happens if it's a deeded restriction or something else? Yeah. Settle down, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just settle yeah. down. Just calm it down. Sure. So you set up some parameters then, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I did it because I kind of, and they're like, which way do you want to put north? And I said, well, don't do it cardinal. Let's trick it up a little bit. I don't care which way you do it. <laughs> yeah. Don't do top is north, you know? <laughs> yeah, because normally you don't get that lucky, right? I mean, that's a rare yeah. occurrence that it actually really works out that way. Yeah. So we end up making a SketchUp model to distribute to everybody. Like, hey, you can use this. You don't have to use it, but you can. Oh, of like the site parameters? Yeah. And here's what it is. I put things in there, and I didn't tell them necessarily why I did what I did. So when I put an alley in there, you know why I put an alley in there? Because I don't really want to see a garage door on the front of the house. Yeah, a front garage, yeah. But if you want to decide to do that, be prepared to justify it and talk about, hey, you had yeah. this available to you and you chose not to do it. Yeah. Or if somebody decides, hey, I want to have a driveway access on the street and the alley that passes all the way through. Straight through. Right? 
Hey, if you want to burn up part of your 60 feet <laughs> with a driveway that goes all the way through, yeah. more with power 15 feet, go for it. Yeah. But we're going to talk about it. Yeah. So I didn't tell them why or how or what they should do. I did tell one guy who works me a lot. I go, if you put a garage door on the front, you're dead to me. You're fired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah you're go, off my rotation, buddy. Yeah. yeah this isn't going to work out well for you. <laughs> So the whole length of this exercise really going to take us through December. We're a week out from the beginning of October. So we and have... And when did you start? Uh, like a month ago. Okay. All right. So we have eight meetings for this whole process. Okay. And roughly half of those meetings are pinups and presentations. And the other half are check-ins and construction detail chats and just conversations about different sorts of considerations on residential mm -hmm. projects, things like foundations sure. and wall sections and mechanical systems. And there's all sorts of rabbit holes. Overhangs. and Yeah. How far can I go? I like planning and zoning. Yeah. What does that mean? Can I have an eight foot overhang? Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So we kind of get into those. And, you know, there's so many landmines in this to step in. Oh, of course. That I, I'm definitely not thinking them all. Like one of the things we ran into was in the city of Dallas. If I have a garage on the back of my house and my garage door faces my rear property line that's parallel to the alley, mm -hmm. I have to be 20 foot off my property line mm -hmm. because I have to be able to get my car out of the public right away. Out of the alley, yeah. Yes. But if I put my garage door perpendicular to the property line, in this case, I can be five foot off my rear property line. Mm -hmm. But people, they don't know that. Sure. They don't know that. And so when people end up showing their garage door like 10 feet, I'll go, how do you get your car out of the alley if your garage door isn't open? And they're like, well, I opened a garage door. And I go, it doesn't work like that. Yeah, it's broke. <laughs> City's going to hit you on that. You're going to get it. Yeah. Now, that's something, quite honestly, I should have told them. I didn't think about it till like, I go, ooh, I bet people are going to do this. And they don't know that you can't do that. Yeah. And sure enough, a couple of people fell into that trap. Yeah. We're also trying to advocate that your final product should be a, a viable product in the market. You should think, I'd like to get this built. Yeah. Right? That should be the goal. Sure. So no spaceships made out of marshmallows and whatever or something crazy. Yeah. You know, we'd probably have some financial conversations about that one. Yeah. Marshmallows <laughs> and spaceships. But, yeah. <laughs> but kind of the idea is like, even on my own project, my house is only 18 foot wide. Oh, so you're doing one as well. You know, for a long time, I wasn't going to. Yeah. Because it's a little, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's not really fair. I've done enough houses to where the things they're struggling with, I don't struggle with anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I can yeah. get a lot further downstream in a vastly shorter amount of time. So I wasn't going to do it, but I went, oh, maybe I need to have an example that kind of shows some of the logic that I'm applying to my evaluation of their design. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I got it. So I decided to do it. But I have two goals for me that I wouldn't have for anyone else. One, I really want to design something that I think could be built. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Not because I have yeah. designs to actually get it built, but I want it to be a possibility. Sure. Push yourself a little bit. Yeah. And then the other thing is, is I want my graphics to look better than everyone else's. <laughs> because there's a reason. There's a reason. One of these things I'm trying to hammer home on everybody is, we're salesmen. Mm -hmm. Part of what we do is we're, someone's hiring a product from us and we have to show it back to them. If it was just, there's one answer, then who cares what it looks like? 
but there's not. So mm-hmm. the way we tell our story, both verbally and with our graphics, matter. Mm-hmm. And I want people to understand that when they pin something up on the wall, I don't want scribbles and I don't want garbage because it's not an effective way to convey what you're trying to tell us we should be doing. Yeah. So I can't pin up garbage. For sure. And hopefully they'll see, you know, how like in studio, there's always like that one person whose graphics are so good that nobody else really wants to pin up next to them. Like you do want to have junk <laughs> yeah. pinned up next to the best project in the class. Yeah. So I want to pin my. You want to be that person. <laughs> yeah. I want to shame everybody into like making sure they yeah. bring their A game. Right. Yeah. You know, I was going to say like, I've thought about doing that same thing in my studio. It's just like. I'll just design right beside you guys, and I'll do the exact same thing. <laughs> but again, it's really unfair to be like, oh, you guys are still trying to figure it out, and I'm like 30 miles ahead of you now because it's second nature to me. Yeah. And especially like when we're doing these education projects that I'm doing. And so I feel like it would be mean in a way, but yeah. there's a part of me that wants to do it to keep my skills up, even be able to push myself in some way to just do things that I wouldn't normally get to do when I had a client. So sure. I can do other stuff, but you know. No, I mean, I think that makes, I think that makes sense. Yeah. And, and honestly, even though I was a little glib about it, I'm not doing it because I want to shame anybody. Yeah. No, no. Really, it, I'm treating it as if it's a teaching tool. So when I say, hey, when we talk about walking in the front door and we have a view corridor and what we don't want is we don't want you to look down the length of your house and see the door to the toilet. Mm-hmm. That's what we don't want. Yeah. It helps for me to show This is how I solved the same problem that we're all dealing with. Yeah. Here's what it is. Yeah. As opposed to me putting a piece of trace over and then actually doing it for them. Because that's not the point. Mm -hmm. I don't want to design your house for you. I want you to go through the process and then learn why what you did, did or didn't work. And what makes me faster about it is I've done it enough times to where I can take fewer steps down a path and realize it's not going to get me where I need to be. Much yeah. sooner than, like, they have to go all the way to the end to see that the door is locked. Full resolution almost to go, oh. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't need to do that so much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the other thing that I should put in there before we really move on to the next part, which should be interesting. Well, maybe it is. Let's just, just do it now. So the first kind of batch of problems that we're solving have to do with programming. So the very first meeting we had tried to match or replicate what a programming meeting might be like with a residential client. Mm. So we had to determine what rooms we wanted, like how big do we want them to be? Sure. Like how big of a house are we talking about here? Yeah. And so we shared this in an episode. I can't even remember which one it was, but I showed kind of like a programming document that I use and it showed like here's. Well, it was in that, in the residential series and we did the program. It was, it was this year, but I think it was in the first quarter sometime. It might even been called programming. I don't know. So I came up with it. And I said, let's talk about my list. What should we add to it? Should we take something off? You know, I buried some stuff in here just to kind of see what we would have. Mm -hmm. We came up with a program that essentially is around 1,800 square feet. Okay. And that is an efficient, tidy 1,800 square foot. And honestly, I don't expect anybody to hit that number. Yeah. Yeah. At all. What I really want is something that's probably around 22 to 2,800 square feet. That's what I want. Mm. But... Like, for example, one of the guys, when he pinned his work up, he has a two-bedroom house that's 3,200 square feet. And I go, nope. At this square footage (laughs) and what our objectives are, you need another bedroom. Yeah. Because we did put it in the programming that we wanted at least two bedrooms, like a main bedroom 
and then like a secondary bedroom. Mm-hmm. But then we wanted a flex room that could be another bedroom or it could be an office or a mother-in-law suite or something like that. Office or something else. Yeah, any kind of thing. Sure. So sure. if your plan, you wanted to do four, do four. I'm not going to tell you you can't do four. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, you can't do two and have 30 dollars per feet. Yeah. Yeah, you can't do that. Not that people don't do it, but that's just a little, for an exercise, that's a little egregious. Yeah. We're not doing it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So you want to guess what rooms we have in the project or do you want me to just tell you what what we think we're going to put in there no okay so we've got the two bedrooms we've got a living room Mm -hmm. of something like that right we've got a kitchen yeah we have two to three bathrooms i would assume Mm, yes yes an office space of some kind right which could be that flex space or a third bedroom could be that flex space or a third bedroom Mm -hmm. i don't know after that i i so here's what we put in. I go, you have to check all these boxes. Okay. You can do more, but I don't, you can't do less. Okay. So I have porch as one of them. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say like a like pet. I wanted a receiving space. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. When you walk up to the front door, we want something there. It can't just be like a wall that's got a hole in it that you walk through. An entrance transition. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I didn't assign any square footage to it. I just yeah. go like, okay. you need a receiving space on the outside of your house at the front door. Sure. There's an entry. Mm-hmm. Like when you open the door. Yeah. I'm not right in the kitchen or in the living room yeah, or whatever. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. There's an entry closet. Okay. There's a powder bathroom. Mm, okay. There's a living room, or you could call it a den. Den. Sure. Whatever. Either way. There's not both. Yeah. There's a kitchen, and we put a kitchen with an island as part of the programming. Mm. We put in a dining room, which, you know what? And I told everyone. A dining room. Interesting. Yeah. I said, you can absorb the dining room square footage into your house if you don't want a dining room. Because honestly, we don't do a lot of formal dining yeah, rooms. Yeah, so that doesn't happen that much anymore. But breakfast nooks or not, kitchen not nooks or something. formal ones. Yeah, but when you do modern houses, a lot of times you have sit-down eating. It's just as part of another kind of a bloated kitchen area. Yeah. So it's not just bar seating at your, at island. your island. Like you yeah. need a place to sit at a table and eat. Sure. It can be in the kitchen or it can be not in the kitchen, but it has to exist. In the living room, like a part of that or something. But yeah, but it's there. Add it on to yeah. it sort of thing. So real, I go, it's a square footage total. I don't need a box yeah. that you then label dining room. It doesn't sure. have to work like that. So there's closets, obviously, in all the bedrooms and flex rooms. Sure. I called out for a certain amount of storage, a certain amount of mechanical rooms, utility mudroom. Mm-hmm. Garage storage. We gave a stairwell size to get square footage, but you don't have to do a two-story. Mm-hmm. And it really didn't move the needle much on the square footage either, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, but that's a lot for 1,800 square feet, man. Well, like I said, 1,800 square foot is the bare minimum. Yeah. So, like, the entry is four by six. Now, my entry is not going to be four by six. I'll tell you that. Yeah. There's certain premiums. Out. For example, my house right now, is just around 2,600 square feet. Gotcha. And I have all these, and I have three bedrooms, and I mean, I have all that stuff. I have everything that's on this list. And one of the things that was interesting, Mm. for example, I have a two-story house because I wanted outdoor living space is a big part of what I'm trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Oh, I should add, we have a garage. We just said it had to be a one-car minimum Mm. and that it could be attached or detached. Okay. So a carport is a consideration. But you have to have storage associated with your garage or carport. Sure. Laundry room or something like that? Is that the mud utility room? Is that what that is? Yeah, the utility mud room. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So 
what made it interesting. So when we went to this programming exercise, we kind of got a number and we said, all right, well, this is the very low end. Mm -hmm. And all these square footages that we put in there based on room sizes, they all will Tetris together. I know because I did it. Mm -hmm. But I would never want to live in the plan that got generated by the Tetris that I came up with. Sure, sure. So one of the things that was really interesting to me was, for example, if you do a two-story, which is what I did, mm -hmm. and I can argue why that was good as opposed to putting all the square footage on one floor. The, one of the things that was interesting, and I was really looking forward to this, if anybody else did a two-story and didn't put all the bedrooms on the same floor, they're going to have bathroom bloat. Because mm -hmm. now, now you have to have three full bathrooms, mm -hmm. right? Because you're not sharing the main bathroom, you know, the main bedroom. Yeah. That's a private bathroom. It's got its own private bathroom, sure. So that means if I have another bedroom upstairs and that's it, it's going to have its own bathroom. Mm -hmm. So that means if I have one downstairs, it's going to have its own bathroom. Yeah. I mean, you could say, well, let's also slash the powder room, but powder rooms technically don't have... Don't have the... Tubs and showers. And a it. lot of times people don't like to share that room anyway, either. Yeah. So you're definitely not doing three and a half bathrooms. Yeah. In this project. So that was one of those ones I was like licking my chops <laughs> to see, oh man, what are people going to do here? Somebody's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, one of the guys that I work with, he did split them up. And I said, mm, what are you doing to bathrooms? He goes, I have, to, I have a lot of bathrooms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a one-to-one -one so ratio. He knew it. Yeah. He knew it. I think he ended up with three and a half. I think that's what he ended up doing. Yeah. So I found that a, a bit of a chuckle, to be honest with you, as we were kind of going through it. But we had conversations like, is there an appropriate size for the house? Mm -hmm. So it's a 7,500 square foot lot. Well, when you add it all up and you get to 1,800 and you go blah, 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 you know, 2,200 is kind of where I really expect these to live. Mm -hmm. I think that's a viable square footage for the market. Yeah. For a custom-designed architect, builder, not a production, not a rollout product. Sure. You could actually build something that's 2,200. Like, if you build something that's 2,200 square foot and you're going to try to sell it for three quarters of a million dollars, good luck. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know. Maybe in this market, they're like, I'll do it. Take it yeah. now. True, true. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, but suburban Dallas, that's a pretty big price tag. Yeah, yeah. To put on a house that size. Mm -hmm. So we ended up. Targeting around, like I said, 22, 24. I think I'm like, I'm like right at 25 for mine. Yeah, so roughly it's a third of the lot, essentially, is what yeah. it kind of works out at, right? Yeah, if you put it all on one floor, which I didn't. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. And, and one of the things I do when I provide programs for my students is I actually put a requirement, which I might have suggested, a requirement for actual non-disturbed space. Yeah. 30% of the, the site has to be outdoor or whatever it is to add one more parameter to it. But I guess you get a little bit of that from your setbacks, but even still. Yeah, I thought about doing that. And the reason I didn't is because I didn't want to force somebody into not doing something wacky. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So we have really boxy plans. I mean, like, we have a couple people that did, like, bar buildings, mm -hmm. you know, like dog runs. Sure. And then we have some people that did... Their plans are what you might traditionally see, and they might be two or three rooms wide, and they go from property line to property line. like side yard to side yeah. yard. Very kind of traditional the way they let out. And then some of those people, for instance, when they run the driveway all the way through, what does that end up doing? Like, where's your living space? Mm -hmm. One of the guys, he one of the projects that he's working on, his plan's basically like a T, T shape. Mm -hmm. And he's got two stories, 
But the one story part of the T, we'll call it the, the leg of the T, was like where the kitchen, dining, living space, so the public spaces. Right? Yeah. And it kind of tees out right and bifurcates the lawn in half. So if you kind of pick, all right, my lot's 125 foot deep. Mm-hmm. Right at the midway point is where he's sliding his bar through. So that means I've got like 50% front yard, front yard 50%, 50% backyard. backyard. Yeah. But only on one half of the lot, lot sure. because the house is turned. And so that was really great that he did that from the fact that we had got to have a conversation about you need to define outdoor spaces or they won't get used. Mm-hmm. Right. So if he just says, here's my bar. And if I have sliding doors on this side and sliding doors on that side, I go, all right, let's pretend you do that. You have a party. And the first two people go that way yeah. into what we're calling, quote unquote, the backyard. The backyard sure. Is anybody going to go to the front yard at that point? You know, it seems super anti, like you wouldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. So you have to find a way to extend those rooms out into the landscape a little bit. So I go, you might want to consider doing like a low wall or changing like it's not lawn. Maybe it's decomposed granite and you have an array of trees planted. Like There's got to be a way for you to make an outdoor room that helps people understand how they're supposed to use the space. Mm -hmm. What does the view corridor look like? Yeah. So that's what makes those conversations interesting. It's like, oh, you need to articulate this. If it's just lawn, there's no difference and no one's going to use both sides of it. But if I design this kind of courtyard in the front and it opens up, then yes, absolutely. I could see both people using it. Put a fire pit out here, put some trees, you know, it'd be great. It'd be lovely. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the programming meeting. That was the first big block of meetings at the design board that we had. The next one that we had, and we just had the first wave of it, and we've kind of been talking about it, was the schematic design. And that was when we, Asked everybody to take these kind of bubble diagrams that they generated of the rooms and try to turn them into like plans. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this in the schematic design episode. I didn't ask anybody to lay out like what your window patterns are. Sure. Think of it as boxes, but put some architecture to the box. Mm-hmm. With the idea of then if somebody did this, they get bonus points. I'm going to do it. But I want people to learn how to use our 3D printer. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really straightforward. Yeah. So it's part of the schematic process. We're like, hey, we want to do these massing studies. I want people to build their model as a block and print it out on a 3D printer. Because there's only like five people in the office that really know how to use the thing. That use it, yeah. Yeah. And I can tell you, my group, we use it a lot. And whenever we use it, it generates interest in other people in wanting to use it. Mm-hmm. But then they lose steam and they don't do it. Yeah, sure. And, you know, we're going to move offices, you know, Boca Powell's going to move offices and we got new space. And part of our new space, we actually have some like, ooh, we're going to get like a new and a good 3D printer. Might even get a CNC router, Mm. right? You know, like do some things, have like a little model lab. Mm -hmm. Because it falls into the idea of what kind of culture we want in the office. Sure. You want a design culture? You want a creative culture? You want to make things. You got to give them. You got one of them. You want maker spaces, right? Exactly. So... We want people to turn their blocks into architecture. It's all about the process. Remember, we talked at the very beginning that this is, should be a study in process, not the study in what your finished product is going to be. Sure. Right? Because a lot of these houses right now, I go, you got a ways to go. <laughs> Garbage. Not really, but yeah. No, I would never say that. I know, but yes. I would never. Underdeveloped. Yeah. Well, you know, like we have comments. We had people pin up and we'd say, hey, you, what you're identifying is your dining room. Like from the back of your table to that wall is like nine feet. I go, what's happening in that nine feet? It would be really weird. Yeah. 
you need to think about how you're laying out your space. But yeah, so we want people to go through the exercise of pinning stuff on the wall, talking about it, giving a presentation. Here's my model that I made. And what would be really cool is if we made a site model that we then allowed people, just like we did in college. Sure. Everyone can stick their building on it. Yeah. Or we go, here's the neighborhood. Because we, we actually have quite a few people that are participating. I was really excited. When we pinned up last week, we had like eight projects getting pinned up. Hmm. And you might go, eight, that doesn't sound like a lot. Well, you know, it's 10% of the office. Yeah. First off. And I would say maybe, I don't know, half the people don't fall into the traditional I'm a designer category, which makes it fun. Yeah, for sure. Because then it also helps this group talk to that group and blur any lines between like, oh, all these types of people hang out together. And those types sure. of people hang out together. Yeah. So we're trying to change that. So the next big meeting that we're going to have is going to be on design development. And again, it's very traditional kind of design development stuff. We're going to start getting into exterior elevations and roof layouts and try to talk about materials a bit. I think the wheels are going to fly off, honestly, when we start talking about materials. <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting. You know, because people don't, like, if someone comes out and says zinc siding, you know, or are they going to go, yeah. I'm going to do curtain wall on this whole, like, I'm going to do this whole thing, floor to ceiling glass, all on my ground floor level. I'm going to go, come on, man. No, you're not. Yeah. So I don't know how that's going to manifest itself just yet, but it should be fun. And so I know as part of this conversation, I will open myself up for ridicule. I'll share everything that I'm doing because normally I don't share plans because they're somebody's house, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't ask for me to put stuff on there. Sure, sure. And I know that whenever I've shared some snippets of stuff, I, I mean, I get killed. I mean, I just know it's, they're going to get me. That's just the nature of the internet, but yes. Yes. Especially more so with us. Yes. Every architect is also a critic. Let's just be clear, yes. right? Yeah. Well, they're going to say, well, you know, if you rotate this, blah, 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 you can do it. I'm like, okay, come on. Yeah. 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 I know. You design your own house and then send that to me and go, you should do what I do. Yeah. Do that. That's what be. I go, you, no commentary. You have to back it up. You have to draw it. Yeah. If you want to fix my plan, draw my plan out again, but with your solution and send it to me. <laughs> Yes, that's, that's what I'm going to do. Exactly. <laughs> and then I'll tell you what should have been different. And also, well, there's no right one way to do so You course, might say, yeah. yeah, your way works, but that doesn't meet these five other things I'm doing. And because I didn't lay them all out for you to understand, yeah. I can see why you're not putting the same scale of priorities to stuff that I am. But when we get into materials, you know, we'll end up having the kind of conversations you would think, like durability, cost, ready access, flexibility in the workforce to actually install them, you know, like all this kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Sure. We won't be getting into the, well, should I use Pella windows or should I use Weather Shield windows or should I use, yeah. you know, these ones? We're not going to get into that. Yeah. Maybe I'll get into it, but, you know, it's, here's what's interesting. I really would like for someone to weigh in on this, honestly. This one I am soliciting opinions on. I'm wondering how far do I take it? Because, you know, we get pricing on DD level stuff now. We get pricing on SD level stuff, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering how far could I bring this and actually have a contractor price it? Like yours or all of them? No, no, no. Mine. Oh, yeah. I don't know. You'd have to call in some favors. Yeah, I wouldn't ask the contractor to price them all. Yeah. That'd be mean. <laughs> it would be interesting, though, I think, really. Yeah, it would. When you got down to it, even if you had to pay them a little bit to say, hey, these are small projects or whatever, put a number to them and so I can, can explain. But again, yeah, you'd have to have a really good contractor friend to do that. Well, that I would have to have 
a lot of data on the drawings so that they could know what they're pricing. Sure, sure. And we're going to be glossing we're not over get some of this. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, like I might articulate what my foundation is. I'm not really asking everyone else to articulate what their foundation gotcha. is. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, it might be fun to say, you need to do one wall section, like do one full knocked out mm -hmm. wall section. Yeah. And then I can include that in my graphic package and we'll send it out for someone to price, see what it is. Yeah. So if you're a contractor and you feel like this could be fun, let me know. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you, you want some extra pricing to do, some extra estimating to do because it sounds like fun. Yeah. Yeah, because no one's super busy right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Everybody's got free time to do that. Yeah, I mean, we just need to wait for a year when all the projects dry up because the costs are so high right now yeah. to, before we go through this exercise. Yeah. But, but I mean, it would be interesting, I think, to, to see how that all pans out, right? Well, yes. And we had things like where we talked about like a... I've heard this phrase before. I've used this phrase before. It's like buying a car by the pound. Mm -hmm. And you can say that when you go, oh, this is a $300 square foot house. Like just as a lick your finger and stick it mm -hmm. in here kind of thing. Sure. There's not a lot of intelligence to it and frequently doesn't work out like the project I had in San Antonio. Yeah. I don't know if I haven't made this public, but first off, we interviewed like 18 contractors. Not because we are so thorough. It took us so long to find someone who was willing to even look at this project that we went through a jillion of them. Mm. And then when we finally found a couple that seemed viable, they started dropping like flies. We're like, oh, we think you could be our guy. Then he goes, no, nah, I decided I want to do it. I mean, not because we did anything, didn't even get the drawings. Yeah, they're just busy or whatever, don't want to deal with it. Yeah. And so then we ended up having a contractor and they seemed like the perfect fit. And I'm telling you, this house had very few bells and whistles to it. They gave us a, like, lick their finger and stick it in the air, 375 a square foot, mm. and which was a little bit more than the owner wanted to pay, but not by a ton. They're like, whoa, we don't want to spend this much on the house. Yeah. And I go, well, well, let us go through the pricing exercise. We can find out where the sore spots are, and then we can do some value engineering or reinterpret how we solved a problem and see if we can get it where we want it to sure. go. They priced it. It took more than two months for them to price this 4,200 square foot house. And it came in at like $600 a foot. Ugh. And I was like, what? What happened? Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. And then we had another project with the same problem. And then we realized, oh, it's not us. It's every project. Yeah. Every project is coming in at just like crazy numbers where you can't predict yeah. what it is. So I'm not putting a lot of time and effort, energy into actually like getting a viable dollar number right now. Because yeah. honestly, there's not a lot of viable dollar numbers out there there's not a viable dollar number at all anyway. Yeah. We actually just did, it's a really nice garage, but we were helping a guy out. We did a detached garage and it's got a couple car lifts in it. I mean, it's a nice garage. Don't get me wrong. Nice garage. Yeah. But I want to say like the price came in at like $700,000 for this 1400 square foot detached garage. Oh. It's board and batten and it's asphalt roof. Like it's, I mean, we're like, wait, what? That's nuts. I mean, granted, if it yeah. has, car lifts in it but still yeah you know what we priced the car lifts you know how much car is eight thousand dollars for two car lifts oh wow that's not what moved the needle yeah you know and we had to put some piers underneath yeah, where the sure. car lifts would end up going but that shouldn't be that much either yeah mm -mm. the pricing number was like eighty thousand dollars to paint this garage that's 1400 square feet that's insane uh, you know what and i was like dude you're literally 
how do I explain this to somebody? That number makes no, no sense, sense at all. Yeah, yeah, none. I can't defend it. Yeah. I can't defend it. You're like, hey, I'll go in there and paint it myself for half of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm thinking I should open up uh, Borson and Sons Construction Company. And I go, you just give me your bid. I'll do it for half. I know. That's what yeah, I'll do. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It'll take really long because I don't have any sons. So it's just me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, and apparently Andrew. Yeah, that's right. It'd be you and me. We'll do it. That's fine. So I wanted to have this episode to talk about what are we doing? How's it working? What kind of assumptions are we making? What's reasonable? What's not unreasonable? And then as part of the run sheet, the blog post for this, I'll show diagrams and blocking and floor plans and site. I'll show all that stuff just to introduce it as a topic. But I'm hopeful that this one's going to work out better than the last one, (laughs) which didn't work out. (laughs) And then maybe we'll come back to it in like January or something and see how it all panned out yeah. or something. To, a finished product. Yeah. So that's it. I'm not sure that what people were hoping to get <laughs> in this episode that's titled Modern House Challenge Take Two. But <laughs> if you have questions or if you have things that you think we should consider, I mean, this is going to be coming out. We only got like a week. If people have things to add or considerations they want to make, knock themselves out. Just remember that Part of our objectives is not really to have like, ooh, here's 12 houses. Which one, who designed the best looking house? That's not the goal. Yeah. It's, it's a nice byproduct for sure. What we want people to learn is thought process, methodology, presentation techniques, standing up. Like it's, this is a culture exercise, again, which has to do with it's part of the design more group. Voluntary. Nobody has to do this. So It's a learning exercise on multiple levels of how to do stuff, which is really reminiscent of school. Yeah. Do something with parameters and talk about what you're doing and learn how to do it better. And You know what would be cool that I thought about is since Building Science Fight Club, Christine Williamson lives like she lives here. Mm-hmm. I thought I should have her come in and just kind of do a guest appearance. Yeah, sure. Say, hey, young architects, let's talk waterproofing just to put it on your radar screen. Exactly. Right, that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. But she's so high-toned, she'd go, I'd, be, I'd love to do that. Here's my fee. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what? It totally would be worth it, but I don't think they're going to give me the funds yeah, to do that. Sure. So, okay. So there it is, everybody. Let me know what you think. If there's something I need to consider, something I'm not considering, I think people would like to do this, is what I think. So, yeah. If you think I'm full of baloney, let me know. We should go back to the make it like the playhouse challenge. You know what? I got an email on that the other day. And open it up to everybody, and we just go through the process and rank them and stuff, right? We Yeah, we should do that. Yeah, that'd be cool. I get emails probably, eh, they've tapered off a bit, but I probably get about 20 or 30 emails a year still of people going, you got to bring it back. Yeah. Like, whatever you got to do, bring it back. If I can help, bring it back. Let me know, and I'll help you bring it out. Yeah. Like, let's do it. It was awesome. Yeah. And I got a really good email from somebody, I don't know, in the last week or two or three or four or five. I can't remember, <laughs> honestly. And uh, I owe them a response. I owe a response. And I haven't responded to say why. Thank you for your kind offer, but I'm not yeah. doing it. But Okay, let's move on. Let's go to the part that I love. <laughs> I love it. This one was hard. So uh, we're going to keep rolling with the worst rank list. <laughs> What's the worst rank? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this category is brought, or the question, I guess, I don't know, categories might be right. It's brought to you today from Andrew, yeah. which means I'm going to have to answer first. Yeah. All right. And he did let me know a few hours ago what the topic was. So I did have some time to think about it. Yeah. 
which actually might have only made things more confusing, <laughs> if I'm being honest. <laughs> okay, you ready? Yeah, you ready sure. For this? Of course I am. All right. So today we're going to be ranking, drumroll please, the worst three breakfast foods. Exactly. This is a hard one for me. But it's a pretty wide open category, right? We're going to define it again as anything that you might have for breakfast. And even if it's a mix of something, like you mentioned when we were talking yeah. earlier, it's fine. Yeah, like if you wanted to put corned beef hash on here, yeah, we're going to say that's a thing, even though it's really like a bunch, a of, bunch ingredients. of ingredients. But it still is a breakfast meal, dish, whatever. It's a, it's a, it's thing. a thing. It's considered as a whole. So the parameters are pretty open, but the only thing I said is it should be a breakfast food. Like it can't be like, oh, you know. Like dirt? Sausage and sauerkraut is not the best thing to eat for breakfast because that may not really be a breakfast food. Yeah. It might be, but yeah. you know, it needs to be something typically eaten at breakfast. But other than that, pretty wide open. Okay. All right. And it shouldn't be things like that are obviously terrible, like a moldy muffin from 1974, but like realistic something. Yes. Yeah. that's. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Okay. So I'm going to go first. You ready? Yeah. Number three on my list. Pretty much any omelet that exists. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's interesting. Yeah, omelets are terrible. I mean, there's a lot of people like omelets, man. Those people are wrong. So why do you not like an omelet would be my question. Everything is pretty much always terribly cooked in an omelet. Like if you could just like aggregate 10 terribly cooked things into one blob of a thing, that's an omelet. I gotcha. If it's got peppers and whatever, they're all like, oh, they're not really cooked. They're halfway raw. They're halfway cooked. And da -da. okay. Nothing's cooked right in an omelet. I gotcha. Look. I don't make omelets in the house here. And like if the best thing that you can do is an omelet is like a frittata, maybe. But I'm not calling a frittata and an omelet the same thing. Yeah. But like if you go to like a hotel and they have an omelet bar. An omelet station, yeah. And you see the guy put in like a quarter cup of oil before anything happens. You're like, that's a lot of oil. <laughs> and then he throws in all the stuff and just shakes it around and then pours in eggs, you know, and then like flips it around and puts some cheese and dumps it on your plate terrible yeah because here's the other thing you know what i don't like this is not a category this is a food prep but this is what i associate every single omelet has brown eggs in it <laughs> not i mean like eggshells that are brown the egg comes out of it i mean like when you cook an egg and you brown it yeah gross out <laughs> not eating that yeah that's bad technique that's bad prep out so that's mine <laughs> omelets all right. And you know what? Well, I need to say this. I love breakfast. It is my favorite food. I would eat breakfast literally every meal of every day. Sure. So when you said pick the worst, it was actually really hard for me to come up with three things that I don't even have like a worst, really. I have like what's not the best is how I yeah. approach breakfast foods. I got so you. So this one's hard. All right. That's my number three. Yeah, I like breakfast too. I like breakfast too. And so I'm still struggling a little bit. So for me, my number three is, is locks on anything. Because fish for breakfast is ridiculous. I don't care it's what amazing. I mean. It, no. I love it. No. Love it. Like fish and cream cheese on a bagel. That just, no. Fish for <sighs> breakfast is terrible. Oh, you know what? Okay. I'm out. I can get why you would say that. But. I get it. It's like salty and there's a part of that that I think is good. But to me, uh-uh. Smoked salmon on a bagel is not breakfast food. Oh, it's barely it. lunch food, but it's still not. <laughs> something about that is really unappetizing to me. Well, there's going to be countries that are going to be going to war with you now. Cause I know. I understand. But just for me, right, personally, All right. the thought of fish first thing in the morning is not appetizing. 
Hey, I will tell you. So there's a bagel place. And it's a chain bagel place because Dallas is not known for bagels. So we have chains. Sure. Yeah. One of them has this salmon spread. Mm. Okay. Love it. I gotcha. think it's great. Interesting. And you know, and I like my bagels toasted with a little bit of crunch and then put the spread on while it's still warm so it kind of melts a little. Yeah. I'm with you. Salmon spread. I love it. And when we were in Finland. Yeah. And they'd have like their European breakfast buffet stuff. Sure. I ate a ton of fish with I'm stuff. I'm sure you did. I'm sure. A lot did. of smoked fish. I am Norwegian. Maybe that's why I like it, because I'm programmed to like it. Maybe so. It just doesn't do it for me. So All right. Okay. I think Fish. most of my choices are going to be pretty controversial, though. Ooh, well, that make it better. Okay. So your second call here. Number two, grilled tomatoes. Uh, okay. You know what I'm talking about? Like, whenever someone takes, like, a half a tomato and they, like, grill it, so it's like you have a hot tomato on your mm. plate with, like, your sausage, your bangers. And your eggs or whatever. Yep. I mean, it's mushy Hard. and like, yeah. Gross. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. If I could just take my fork and just like flick, flick it, it off, off <laughs> like launch it, I would do that. Like it's doing something dirty to my plate. Hot <laughs> grilled half tomato. No thanks. The juice is running everywhere. You can't contain it. Mm, At that point, your whole plate is contaminated with tomato juice. Yes. Contaminated like, is the right word. It's everywhere. <laughs> Can't do it. It's not something for me either. That wasn't even in my brain, to be quite honest. But okay. I had to go deep. I had to go deep. I told yeah, you. That's pretty deep. Yeah. Grilled tomatoes. Hey, you know what? Come at me, UK. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. What's your number two? Yeah. Okay. I mean, this is going to probably make a lot of people angry for me. It's oatmeal. Okay. That's crazy. But all right. Don't like oatmeal, man. I grew up eating oatmeal, and maybe that's why I don't like it, because it was forced on me. But for me, it's a textural thing. I just don't like the texture of oatmeal. All right. And, I mean, it's nice that it's warm. Like, I like a bowl of grits, a bowl of grits for breakfast, but not oatmeal. I don't know what it is. That is weird. But it's just the oatmeal consistency. I don't know. Okay. And I know, like, a lot of people love oatmeal. That is some people's staple for breakfast. You know what? You can cook oatmeal in a way that makes it... From it's a hard pass. Yeah. Oatmeal can be very unappetizing if it's not cooked right. But I go, if it's cooked right, it's awesome. Mm, it's... And besides, you can put enough butter on anything and make it delicious. Because, <laughs> look, grits, come on. There's not a person on this planet that didn't grow up, like, wasn't programmed eating grits. If you just take some person who's never had grits and they're in their 30s, yeah. and you go, here, try this. They're going to take a bite and they're going to go, is this cooked? I don't know. It's just different. It's a texture for me. And maybe it's because I've never had a really good oatmeal. I mean, I've had instant oatmeal. I've had the kind you like make. And I haven't ever had overnight oatmeal. But to me, that seems even grosser. I don't know. The concept of overnight oats sort of grosses me out. Is it a looseness? That's a terrible word when describing food. <laughs> Okay, like sometimes you can get oatmeal, it's really pasty, it's really thick. And then other times yes. it's much runnier. I like them both, personally. I don't like either one of those, that's the problem. If it's too watery or it's too thick, more like mud, I don't like it. Or if it's really runny, I don't know. It's just something about it. Something about it. I'll just tell you this, my dad, we grew up eating oatmeal. Oh yeah, I did too. And I, and I liked it. My dad, it'd be pretty thick. Mm. And he would sit down and he would pour half and half on it. Oh. And he would be half and half and half oatmeal and half, half and half. <laughs> Try, uh, half, yeah. half and half. Half, half and half. Ooh. Yeah. Man, you know what? That's rough. He loved it. He loved I'm it. I'm sure. It's the only breakfast thing I ever saw me in my life. I never saw me eat anything for breakfast. Yeah. Other than sausage patties 
and oatmeal with half, half, and half in it. Ooh. Yeah. Man, rough. All right. Okay. Number one. Yeah. This was almost impossible for me to come up with. In fact, mm -hmm. when we were talking about this right before we hit record, I was like, okay, I guess I'll put this one on there. Because we're trying to get some clarification to, like, is eggs the thing? Or is it, You're like, going to have eggs, eggs, and eggs. Yeah, yeah it'd yeah. be, like, eggs this way or eggs that way or eggs that way. Really, you could do, like, worst three preparations of egg. Eggs. Yeah, sure. Right? Maybe we'll do that one. <laughs> so the one thing that, for a while, was really popular, I mean, I guess it still is. I ugh. First off, I'm not a big scrambled egg fan. Mm, okay. There's a reason why in the movies they always say, like, oh, you can tell how good a chef is by how good they can prepare the omelet, which does not necessarily have cheese in it. Mm -hmm. I cannot stand uncooked egg whites. So undercooked eggs, yeah. Yeah. So, for instance, I like over easy eggs, which that's mm -hmm. got to be the hardest egg on the planet to order based on the percentage that they actually get it right. Where your yeah. egg whites are completely cooked all the way through, which is why it's over, because you're cooking it on both sides, but you still have a runny egg yolk. A runny yellow. I don't want hard egg yolk. Yeah. And I don't want runny egg white. Yeah. If you do it or whatever, and then you get to it and you hit some uncooked white, you're like, what is that? <laughs> yeah. That looks like something else. It's white or it's watery. It's kind of gross. Yeah. Ew, yeah. Ah, uh, pass. <laughs> I'll be done. I'll be done at that point. I could be having the greatest <laughs> breakfast ever. And if I get to like a boogery, white, uncooked egg, I'm done. Ooh, I'm like, I could yeah. be mm, not eating yeah, anymore. I'm finished. Yeah, finished. That's funny. I could agree with that. I mean, I can tolerate that some though. Yeah. I mean, it's not the best. It's not the best. The question would be is, would you prefer that it was even overcooked to that then? Over medium as opposed to over easy? No, no. Mm -mm. Okay. I need some runniness to the egg yolk. It's, in my mind, the white is just there so you can not feel like a pig. That's it. <laughs> Although I, I'd really just yeah. like to eat. If I could just have over easy egg yolks <laughs> yes. all day long. Yeah, 100% it, right? fact. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody can put that on the menu, and I know they'll say, uh, that's called a poached egg, you guys. Not really. I mean, well, poached eggs have white, though, right? Well, so if you cook a poached egg properly, so there's like the thicker egg white that's immediately around the yolk. And then there's the yeah. watery kind of egg yolk. And what happens is when you cook, like, say, an easy egg where you don't flip it, the thicker part is the part that never gets cooked all the way through. And the thinner part mm -hmm. cooks all the way through and you still have a runny egg yolk. Yeah. In a poached egg, you're supposed to kind of separate that runny white from the thicker white. That's how the proper poached egg is supposed to be. So when it comes out, sure. it's really just, it's like an M&M. It's like an egg yolk wrapped in a white sheet. Yes, it's <laughs> almost yeah. nothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so what's your, what's your number one? <sighs> and see, this was difficult for me, and I don't really, I don't know how to break it down, and I may just have to overgeneralize it, but it's really like sweet pastries. I do not like sugar stuff, sweet pastries for breakfast of any kind, which I know- Your list is whack. <laughs> I know, which makes me crazy, but it's because eggs and- sausage and toast to me that's breakfast when you go to events and stuff and they're like oh breakfast is going to be served and i show up and it's fruit pastries and danishes and all this crap that's got sugar frosting all over it and it's bread i low i die because i starved to death because i don't want any of that stuff i don't like sugar i don't like sugar cereals even so really sweet stuff like that for breakfast fruit's a different thing natural fruit sweetness is okay but I don't even like fruit pastries because half the time they've got other stuff on them. Mm. Try to find a fruit 
blackberry Danish that doesn't have a whole giant drizzle of white frosting over the top of it. Right? Like, it doesn't happen. And so I don't like sweet pastries for breakfast. Mm. Okay. My other option was, like, soggy cereal. Like, I hate soggy cereal. That's the grossest. But some people like soggy cereal. Nobody likes soggy cereal. Uh, I don't know. Man. My kids don't seem to care. What? They're like, whatever. They're animals. Yeah, I know. So I'm going with sweet. Again, my list is full of stuff that people are going to be like, you're terrible. You know what? I'm going to win this one by a mile. I love breakfast. I love breakfast. I'm like you, man. I mean, I'm probably going to eat breakfast when we finish the show because I want <laughs> some, you know, over easy eggs on toast. Yeah. But that's just how I am. All right. And it really frustrates me when people are like, yeah, we'll have breakfast stuff. And I'm like, no, you won't. You got breakfast tacos? Okay. You've got pastries? That doesn't do it for me. That's like the dessert of the breakfast that included the eggs and bacon and all that stuff. Then that's fine. I don't want it. Yeah. All right. That's fine. Yeah, I know. You're going to get destroyed. If, if we took a vote, <laughs> if we took a poll, like who's list? I'm sure. And that's fine. That's fine. I know this is terrible. My list is terrible. It is terrible. It contains a lot of food that everybody eats for breakfast. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Everybody let me know by what degree <laughs> I destroyed Andrew on his ridiculous <sighs> yeah. list. Yeah. Let me know how bad my choices are. Okay. But I know how bad they are. All right. All right. I think we've reached the point where I'm going to wrap up today's episode. So thank you, everyone, for being with us today for episode 110, Modern Home Challenge. Special thanks to our media partners, Building Design and Construction, for their ongoing support of the Life of an Architect podcast. Want to get every new episode automatically downloaded? Make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button on your podcast player of choice so you can get alerted every time we publish a clean and minimalistic new episode. Mm, nice one. While you're there, please take a few moments and leave us a five-star Why Is That Box So Expensive rating. To get even more content, head over to lifeofanarchitect.com for blog posts, links, and info about this stanktastic episode and all the website has to offer. You can even add your own voice and join the conversation. Thanks so much for tuning in. Take it easy, everybody. Cheers.